0: What's up, Bruin Bible listeners? This is your host, Will Decker. I wanted to reach out and say thank you guys for all the listens, all the love. We see it on social media. We see it on YouTube. It has been sensational. We want to encourage you guys, if you guys are enjoying the podcast and liking it, that you guys subscribe and like it, uh, whether it's on YouTube, on our UCLA LAFB channel, or the Bruin Bible, uh, to subscribe either through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you guys listen and react to it because it's going to allow us to do much greater things in the future. We're creators. We want to be giving the best Bruins content to all of our UCLA listeners. The only way we can do that is if we have a fan base that is locked in and helping us out. So we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. If you guys have been liking it, please help us out with a like and subscribe. Los Angeles. What is up? Will Decker, host of the Bruin Bible here, LA Football Network on 1090 the mightier Southern California, and, man, we got your friend and my favorite, Mr. Jamal Madney, a.k.a. the madman in the house. You guys know what we do, man. We come here, we talk UCLA Bruins, we get you pumped up for the game this upcoming weekend. This one's going to be a doozy, madman. We're talking about two top 20 ranked teams, the Oregon State Beavers at number 15, coming in with a variety of different storylines that we're all excited to talk about And your Bruins, back in the top 25 after an upset victory at home over Washington State. One of the best defenses we've seen in Westwood in maybe 30 to 40 years. It's very impressive what we've seen for them through about five to six games of action. First and foremost, got to check in with my dog over here, Madman. How is the Friday treating you leading in to a weekend of more college and professional football? Brother, It's Friday and it's the day before UCLA football, it's
1: heaven on earth. What more could I want? I mean, this is such an exciting game, Will. I can't wait for you and I to get into it more, but this is quite possibly the most pivotal game of UCLA season moving forward, and there's just so many dynamite storylines and matchups to get into, so can't wait to do it, and always can't wait to do it with you.
0: Man, so thrilled to have you on, Madman. And there's a lot of different places we can start. I think our Bruin fans and our faithful, they know we—they know what we bring to the table when it comes to the Bruins. We got to talk about the Beavers, our opponent coming into this game. And what if I told you, man, that a former number one recruit in the entire country, DJU, he went to high school down here at St. John's Bosco, went to Clemson, was going to be the heir apparent to your Trevor Lawrence's and Deshaun Watson's, didn't really work out at his time at Clemson, transferred, found a new path. At Oregon State and the path has been sensational through about six games five and one record he has led them to he's coming off of a surging week where he had five touchdown passes highest grade of his career according to PFF and he won Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week let's talk about DJU before we get into the rest of the crowd when it comes to Oregon State what has been some of the noticeable difference you've seen with DJU out there at Oregon State because man he looks so much more comfortable confident and poised In the starting spot than he did at Clemson over a year ago.
1: Well, it's it's so well said about DJU, and we forget that this was a decorated five star recruit. And we all forget he was part of the trilogy of five stars here in Southern California, down in Orange County, sandwiched in between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. He even beat Bryce Young in the state championship game when Bryce Young was at modern day. This was all of the decorations in the world that could possibly be imagined. The heir apparent, like you said, to Trevor Lawrence. And it just didn't work out at Clemson, I think, for a couple of reasons. One is, I don't think Clemson had the offensive infrastructure to really set DJU up for success. I think they just thought it was going to be a transition from Lawrence to DJU. And those are very different quarterbacks with very different arm talents, with very different strengths. And, and very different approaches to how they can hurt you defensively. And I think it just didn't quite work out at Clemson. What we find here at Oregon State, Will, and why he's so successful, primarily it's because this is a run-first team, and we'll get into it even more. But they've got this two-headed monster at running back in Damian Martinez and Deshaun Penwick, who together have combined for over 900 yards and nine touchdowns. And so when you're run-first, it allows a quarterback to not take everything on his shoulders, and then you can go play action off of that. And when you go play action, he's got three weapons that are very unique and distinct from one another. He's got Silas Bolden, who's there everything, sort of gadget wide receiver, the way Percy Harvin was at Florida all those years ago, the way DeAnthony Thomas was with Chip early in his Oregon career, the way Zakaria Branch has been in flashes with USC. And, and Bolden, 369 yards, receiving three touchdowns. And then he's complemented by another terrific receiver and Anthony Gould, who is your prototypical slot receiver to complement Bolden with the home run. He's got 20 catches for 356 yards and two touchdowns. And then his third option will is Jack Velling, who's their tight end who leads them in touchdown receptions with five and he's their primary red zone guy. And so for DJU, it's a very clear and simplified and hierarchical game plan. I'm gonna We're going to be run first, and we're going to really dominate the line of scrimmage. And then when I go play action, I've got a deep guy, I've got an underneath guy, and then I've got my big tight end target in the red zone when I need to. The game is simpler, and as a result, it's been slowing down for him, Will. And we've seen a remarkable performance, as you mentioned last week against Cal, where he really got out of his shell. And they won a game very differently Than what we thought they could do in more of a shootout type of fashion.
0: Yeah. And the the word that screams out to me when watching this Oregon State team is physicality. And it's been that apparent since Jonathan Smith has stepped on campus, inherited a one and eleven team, one and one two and ten the next year, and then he was ten and three last year. An eight game win improvement. And it starts with the two tailbacks, man. We talked about Martinez and Fenwick. Martinez, first-team all-reigning Pac-12 running back last year, even finished ahead of our guy Charbonnet, which I think is shocking to some UCLA fans, given how good Charbonnet was, given he was a second-round pick, one of the first running backs taken off the board in the NFL draft. And then you got Deshaun Fenwick and Damian Martinez. So both those guys, it's almost thunder and thunder. These are big, bruising tailbacks. They rank 230 and 220 pounds, respectively. So you're not tackling your skinny... 5'8", 180, 85-pound running back. These guys are like linebackers you got to tackle for. Oh, yeah, and they've got the vision, speed, and pacing of some of these running backs. Talk to me about arguably the best duo of backs within the Pac-12 and those two guys in Fenwick.
1: Absolutely, That's- Will. And what I love about Fenwick and Martinez is they're both so versatile, and you mentioned it. It's very rare in today's college football that you not only have a – the two-back system is very common. But usually with a two-back system, you're going to have one guy who's about 190 to 200 and then another guy who's going to be about 220 to 225. In this particular case, you've got Martinez, who's about 232, and then Fenwick is over 220 as well. And so the fact of the matter is, both of these guys are extremely comfortable being North and South guys, but they both have tremendous agility. And the, the play that's kind of been Oregon State's bread and butter the last couple of years, Will, has been that old-school Mike Shanahan zone runs. And when you look at them, when you look at old-school Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning, when you look at those Mike Shanahan offenses in Denver, even in Washington, those zone-run stretch plays to the right, to the left, that's how they make their money, really, from a running perspective. And what that does is it really creates a lot of strain and physicality on those edge rushers, on the outside linebackers, And then they have the power and the physicality. Once you've sort of stretched the defense vertically, uh, horizontally, then you can just pound them north and south and wear them out. So they've got a really interesting group from a personnel standpoint, but also in their execution is very unique. And make no mistake about it, this is a run-first physical team. They are sort of of the same ilk, of the same stone as Utah, and they're really making that their identity and their journey.
0: Yeah, and when it comes to Oregon State, it's such a crazy storyline. Like I mentioned, the huge improvement to 10 wins last year, double-digit wins, won in the Vegas Bowl against the likes of the Florida Gators in a huge victory over an SEC team. I'd argue they're even better this year with the personnel that they have, and you couple that with the storyline. Didn't get a Big Ten invite. Big 12 hasn't reached out to our knowledge just yet, They're a team without a conference, and they're playing pissed off and angry because of it. So it's very fun to watch Oregon State with that chip on their shoulder maybe have a chance to win the final Pac-12 season. I mean, I wouldn't hold it against them. We saw what we did against Utah. We saw what they did against Utah. 21-7, to they were the more physical team. They were the more complete team against a Utah team led by Kyle Whittingham, which, as UCLA fans know, is not an easy place to win. So I want to touch on that. But let's move to the defensive side of the ball. I, I, and the guy that really comes to mind here is Marcerainis Arnold, the, the linebacker. And we have Lotu on our side of the ball. This guy is special as he's leading Oregon State in tackles as a team and interceptions as a team. This linebacker, he might be up there with another big performance right there with Lotu in terms of Defensive Player of the Year within the Pac-12. Talk to me about not only the Beavers and how they have this great storyline going on, But what about Marcinus Arnold as well?
1: Absolutely, Will. And I think the story of this team is physicality. And we talked about physicality on offense with the two-headed running backs. Now we're going to talk physicality on defense. You talked about Mascarenas Arnold. He's their leading tackler. He's also leading them in interceptions. He is a fly, you know, just flying all over the field, do-it-all type of linebacker. He reminds me a little bit of Mauluga. From SC back in the day, he's got that physicality, he's got that range, and he's also got those ball skills, and he's just wreaking havoc all over the place. He's the linchpin of that team, but then he's also complemented by Hart Jr., by McCartan. They have a trio of linebackers that are really the anchors to this team that do everything. They're just so versatile. They're going to come up and, and sort of create a heavier box with the front seven and stop the run but they can also drift back in the pass coverage. They can also go laterally pick up tight ends and shut down sort of those running back throws, those bubble screens. So they can do it all from a physicality standpoint. And then I also love their two corners, Will. Their two top corners in terms of of Arnold and then Cooper Jr. and then Oladipo. They've got their own sort of set of studs, uh, their trio in in terms of the defensive backs. And what they do, again, more so than any other Pac-12 team, they're going to play more man coverage than just about any Pac-12 team. They've got a lot of confidence in their secondary pipeline. They're going to play bump and run coverage, and they're going to get really physical. And what they're doing is they're relying on their front seven and the girth of that front seven and the physicality of that front seven to create enough havoc in the backfield for the quarterbacks, for the running backs, that you're not going to be able to get the ball off in enough time. And so if I play bump and run, I'm just going to suffocate all of your options. And that's what they've been able to do successfully here the last two years. And, Will, the one thing, as you talked about in terms of their story, the one thing that was really missing from a really significant season last year where they played SC to the wire, where they played Utah to the wire, was the quarterback play. And now that they have DJU not making mistakes, being very conscious of where he's going with the ball, last year Chance Nolan threw – four interceptions in the two biggest games of the year. He was so turnover prone that it really denied Oregon state an opportunity to reach their potential. So the infrastructure is there defensively. It's there with the running game. As long as now they have that quarterback who's not going to make the big mistake. This is why this team is so respected and feared across this conference.
0: Yeah, man. And can you imagine they had DJU playing like this for their last year's team? I mean, they won 10 games with Chance Nolan being their quarterback? Oh, man. They could have been sniffing, you know, that college football playoff that, like, six, seven, eight team, or at least in the Pac-12 championship game. So Oregon State, a tough, tough battle. Let's talk about our Bruins, man. How are we going to respond? We came off of a big upset victory last weekend at home against number 13, Washington State. And the easy place to start with this is the defense. The defense made Cam Ward, who was a legitimate Heisman candidate, going into that game – Look like an average Division One quarterback. I mean, they cut down. He was averaging over 400 yards passing game. They got it down to 197. Uh, outside of the pick six, I mean, that offense scored 10 points. You know, so you can't even really hang all of the 17 points on the defense or how special they are. Oh, by the way, they're eighth in the country right now in scoring defense. They're second in the nation in run defense. Talk to me about this defense. And is this is this starting to rank in terms of the best defenses you've ever seen? at UCLA over your 30s to 40 years.
1: Absolutely, Will. And you said it best. I love what Joel Klatt said earlier this week about UCLA's ability to potentially be a dark horse college football playoff candidate because of how different a style they play relative to everybody else in the conference. And Will, we talk about total defense, they're right at the top. We talk about scoring defense, they're right at the top. The stat that I love more than any other is actually yards per play allowed. Because that tells you, hey, hat on hat, we're lining up. Sometimes total defense numbers go up in garbage time when you've got your starters out. But yards per play is every play, what are you doing? And UCLA's number one in the country, yards per play allowed, rushing yards for play allowed. And oh, by the way, you mentioned them being eighth in scoring defense. Look, the scoring defense, when you get a pick six, it's counted against the defense. And we've had two the last two weeks. You take those two pick sixes away, Will, this team is number one in scoring defense in the country. So you're talking about essentially the number one defense in the country. I mean, am I dreaming, Will? Am I, am I in an alternate universe? Am I in the matrix? Am I going to go meet Neil? I mean, what's happening over here that I'm saying these words? Am I really saying these words for a Chip Kelly-led UCLA team? But this is where we are, Will. And everything begins with Leatu Latu, as we've talked about ad nauseum. He is the linchpin. He is... the the most decorated player on this team and the favorite right now for Pac-12 defensive player of the year, his presence, his productivity is what gets the Murphy twins going is what gets this front seven and this pass rush going with Medrano as well. And the others, but I think this is a game will that Latu is going to be phenomenal. Mwasa is going to be terrific. We're are the usual suspects are going to do their thing, but given how Martinez and Fenwick run the ball in between the tackles, they like to get physical, Inside the hash marks, this is a game I see J. Toya and Keanu Williams on the interior of that line really stepping up and minimizing that and making that very difficult, forcing those guys to bounce to the outside for then the likes of Mua and Oladijo and uh, Medrano to kind of clean it up and minimize those run games. So it's that front seven, Will. It all begins there. And it's strength on strength, hat on hat. It's Goliath versus Goliath. UCLA's front seven versus that Oregon State run game. And it's just going to be such a delicious matchup.
0: It's going to be awesome to watch. And you may have taken my guy, my pick for this defense to really stand out. And Jay Toya, a wrecking ball when he's at his best. UCLA is going to need him at its best if they want to walk out of Corvallis with a victory. Buddy, I think I'm going for my impact defensive player Give me some Ola Deja. We've seen some flashes, big interception last week, physical player. I mean, he's the first guy you want coming off the bus, Six foot three, two 250. We were joking in spring ball when he was next to DK Metcalf. We didn't know who was who. You know, big, big human beings out there when DK Metcalf was training at UCLA. I think Ola Deja, forgiven how big these running backs are, you know, I think it's understandable for M- Mwaso maybe to miss – on a few tackles than he normally is. He is such a fun player to watch. He's a little undersized when it comes to the nature of linebackers going into a game against these bigger backs. oladejo has got to be the guy to set the tone. We need thunder on thunder when it comes to hitting the hole and making plays. And I'm going with Oladija as a defensive standout for this game. What do you think about that, Matt Matt?
1: Oh, I love that pick, Will, because – He's the most physically gifted of that entire defense, including Latu. And you mentioned it best, that frame, that freak physically. I mean, I can't even believe this is the second most unbelievable thing we've said in the last 20 minutes is that somebody's standing next to DK Metcalf and we're not sure who's DK Metcalf. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> uh, unbelievable right there. So, But that's the kind of stud that Oladijo is. And Will, it's its going to require versatility because he's going to have to come into that run-stopping you know blocking those sort of filling those holes with Fenwick with Martinez but then he's gonna have to retreat and maybe blow up a bubble screen with Bolden and then he's gonna have to drift back into pass coverage and cover up velling inside the red zone so that requires a lot of athleticism and agility and he is the most athletic of all of the UCLA linebackers so for that reason I absolutely love the pick and I think you're spot on.
0: And you know, dating back to last year when he played some physical linebackers, he had his best games. I mean, 17 tackles was the famous thing against Charbonnet in the UCLA game. He had 12 tackles on Audrick Estime, who's one of the best tailbacks in all the country right now in Notre Dame when they played them. So a lot of great things going on for our guy, Ola Dejao. Let's pivot to the offensive side of the football. This Dante Moore is going to have a tough challenge ahead of him, and he's struggled since he's entered Pac-12 play. He's been 37 of 79 through the air over two games on that sample size. That's about a 47% completion rate. We know about the turnovers. We know what's been going wrong, but the flashes are there, man. I'm excited to see Dante Moore in a tough environment because I know this is going to make him a better player down the line for UCLA. Who are some of the offensive standouts you're looking forward to watching when it comes to UCLA taking on Oregon State this weekend?
1: Well, absolutely. I think this is also going to be a game where UCLA's approach offensively is going to have to be completely locked in. They cannot afford the turnovers in this game, especially on the road, in a hostile environment against a very physical team that can totally change momentum. So they need a clean sheet from a turnovers perspective. They need to be very disciplined from a penalty standpoint. They've been very good uh, up until this season. This is not the game to have your first uh, sort of slip up there from a, a discipline and execution perspective. And then, third, will holistically, they've got to cash in in the red zone. You know, last week against Washington State, what's lost with those final two Keegan Jones touchdowns is UCLA's first five possessions in the red zone netted only six points. And in a game on the road where opportunities are going to be few and far between, you got to be able to finish these drives when you get that opportunity. And so to me, I think, again, it's going to be this healthy dose of Carson Steele and TJ Harden and Keegan Jones. You're going to have to run the ball to keep balance and not allow this physical front seven to just pin their ears back and go after Dante. So even if it's going to be a tough slog with running the ball, they're going to have to keep doing it. And I think, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about some intermediate receivers as well, Will, but this could be a game where I see J. Michael Sturtevant could potentially change the course of this ball game, And the reason I say that is I think Dante is going to get a chance on a couple play actions to roll out, move the pocket, so he can buy himself a little bit more time. And like we talked about earlier, Oregon State loves to play that bump and run man coverage with their secondary. They got a lot of confidence there. And you and I have seen it now, Will, for the better part of six or seven months. When J. Mike gets one-on-one, there's just nobody that can stay with him. He finds a way to get that separation. So I think there's going to be a couple deep ball opportunities for J. Mike. This is going to be one of those games where it's not going to be seven or eight catches. It's probably going to be something like three catches, but it could be three catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown that ultimately keeps UCLA in the game or completely changes the complexion of the game heading late into the fourth quarter for the UCLA Bruins to pull it off.
0: Yeah, I love the J. Mike pick. I mean, we have gone at lengths about how special this guy is. And I know he didn't get a lot of targets last week, but that catch he made on the sideline and a beautiful ball from Dante Moore. Sign me up for more of that. That's what we want as UCLA fans. I've got two guys for you that I think will be really special in this game if UCLA is to win. One of the guys I got, it seems like we kind of touched on it in the, the episode this week recapping the Washington State game. We wanted a security blanket. I think we may have found the guy that Dante Moore feels most comfortable with, and that's Logan Loya. Led the team in catches last week, has made some big-time touchdown grabs this season. You Remember the San Diego State one where he fell down the end zone, made a tippy-toe catch in the back of the end zone this week. He has been awesome, and I think we're going to be able to need a lot more of what he brings to the table if we are to come out with a win against Oregon State because that defensive line is more closer to Utah than it is to Washington State. Washington State was having its way with that offensive line. So quick hits, quick reads, that's what's going to take. And usually what that comes is a security blanket, that's Logan Loya. So keep an eye out for Loya this week. And then lastly, anyone that follows this show, man, man, they know I love our guy TJ Harden. couple quiet games, he had been breaking 50- to 60-yard touchdown runs in our first four games easily. But The last two games has kind of slowed down a little bit. Would love to see our guy, TJ Harden, get out in the open field, make some plays, and maybe even seal that with a death blow on one of those 40- to 50-yard touchdown runs for UCLA Bruin. You like those two picks before we wrap up?
1: Absolutely, Will. I think you said it best. I love Ryan, particularly in terms of your pick, because, again, we talked about needing to have balance with the run game, but Chip is going to have to continue with that short passing game, quick hits, short reads. And Ryan is that security blanket that Dante's gotten comfort for. And he's the best athlete out of the three tight ends, Will, between Habermill, between Mataveo. And that athleticism is what he's going to need to sort of evade those stud linebackers that Oregon State has, find separation, find space as a security blanket. So I love that Ryan pick in particular, but all very spot on.
0: Awesome. Well, fellas, we have ourselves a great weekend ahead of us. Guys, I hope you guys are having the same Lots of fun here in studio with my main man, the madman on the air. We will be coming back to you next Friday. Have a safe weekend. Get home safe. And most importantly, go Bruins.